This is the Music Publishing Podcast with your host, Dennis Tobensky. Join Dennis in his weekly nuts and bolts conversations with composers, performers, and other arts professionals as they navigate their careers as concert musicians in the 21st century. And now your host, Dennis Tobensky. Hello, and welcome to the Music Publishing Podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Anne Lanzalotti. Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to, to have you here. Uh, Emily Bookwalter was, was really um, adamant that I have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Asked her for some, some recommendations. She said, you know, Anne, um, run shit like a boss. <laughs> and so, uh, so you need to have her on. So, so thank you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little, about, a little bit about you and, and what you do? Um, great. Well, I'm uh, on the faculty at NYU Steinhardt, and uh, so that's wh- where we are right now mm-hmm. in, in New York. practice rooms, and, and um, actually lovely, not, yeah. <laughs> not sarcastic. Non-sarcastically lovely. <laughs> um, and so uh, that's a, a really wonderful kind of center of uh, how I reach different communities here in the school. I was thinking about that a lot today. Coming back, this is our first week back at school. Um, It's really wonderful to see all the students. So I teach a couple days a week, and then I also play in a quartet called The Rhythm Method, and uh, primarily perform uh, contemporary music, but also uh, older music. So I just just finished a project. Um, I was on the David Lang Opera Anatomy Theater oh, that cool. Ice was playing in, and we recorded it. Um, and then coming up next weekend, the quartet's going to be doing a program that I curated um, of music by Daifuji Kura and Leah Asher and Franz Schubert and me nice. <laughs> um, nice. at the Noguchi Museum. So nice. a, kind of a big variety of different performing things. Um, yeah. And then I also... Uh, write about music Um, and so I I think I've been thinking about a lot of different ways um, to reach out to different groups of people Mm -hmm. so that the community of students that I reach or audience members that I reach directly Mm -hmm. from the activities that I do here in New York but also I think with the writing thinking about what are ways that I can uh, create a window for people that I wouldn't necessarily interact with one-on-one yeah. um, to engage with this music that's so important to me and or just kind of create dialogue mm-hmm. around it. So Nice. So uh, what are some of the ways that you, you try to talk to different audiences and, and bring them in? Well, I, um, I, I guess with uh, non-music audiences mm-hmm. or kind of semi-specialists, I've, I've been, I, I wrote an article in the fall on uh, Andrew Norman's play mm-hmm. uh, that was specifically geared towards the fact that the LA Phil was premiering the mm-hmm. new version of it in October. Um, and so I, I talked, Andrew was really generous and, and talked to me while he was finishing the revisions. <laughs> nice. um, and we talked about the piece a bunch and then, and I wrote kind of an extremely in-depth listening guide with a lot of Andrew actually just being able to speak for himself about the piece, but also from my perspective, um, since I have uh, dedicated a lot of time to focusing on his music, mm. I, I wrote my doctoral dissertation on his string trio. Nice. Yeah, um, I, I uh, actually I noticed that. That that's that's pretty pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at your bio, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, but I, that's what led to that. We were talking right before we started recording about the um, extended techniques mm. website. So yeah. I think um, that 
that I included in that article, but also in general, I thought about that being something originally for performers mm-hmm. um, as a way for people to think about how to make those sounds in a more natural way, how we mm-hmm. all learn how to make noise on yeah. our instruments by looking at someone and copying them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Shaken Not Stuttered came out of this idea that you don't always get to work with a composer one-on-one and mm-hmm. what would it mean to have a resource that would allow you to have the next best thing yeah. of these kind of little mini master classes <laughs> and yeah. resources of different angles looking at things. Um, but I realized once I published it um, as a web resource that a a lot of composers use it and you know (laughs) audience members that I met people I met in LA or other people that um, I would meet could then also use it as a resource to just kind of see what was happening on stage Mm -hmm. in a really specific way and know that actually that was the sound um, that people were making and it was so exciting to be there live and see the audience looking onto the stage and being really excited about it um and so I think, I hope that that web resource also does that in a small way if people can't be there live. So mm-hmm. just thinking about how, you know, immediately in my life here in New York, I can reach out to different communities of mm-hmm. people directly. And then with these online resources or, or uh, of, you know, the mini master classes or writing, how can I reach a, a wider range of people um, and uh, that's very important to me. So I'm still kind of experimenting with finding my voice and finding different access points for that. It's nice. important. But. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's a, it, that's a wonderful resource for for people who don't really understand, you know, non non performers, non composers, mm-hmm. who want to see what 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 did, what did they do there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like either that sounded cool or what was, what was that? I think mm-hmm. it's a wonderful opportunity opportunity for them to to learn a little bit and to see, um, you know, both you playing and, and Andrew's. Her, explain some of it Mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's great to hear from the composer for that sort of a thing yeah no it's it's such a great and and you can tell um that he's so playful about these things and Mm -hmm. and you know loves finding the sounds and i think that's so human you know that's with my little kids that i teach you know with my i teach the my my eight-year-old that i teach how to do you know then 10 year old that i make do these things too (laughs) um they don't know that it's weird yeah and they have the same attitude you know Mm -hmm. And, and so i think that's really great for people to see because i think a lot of people that are former string players like yourself um have that approach to discovering and choosing extended techniques Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think I I hope that it encourages other young composers to see someone actually doing that and to feel empowered that they can do that themselves Um, I think often people think if something is easy that if they're good at it then it must not mean that it's useful or something Mm -hmm. that they have to go through trials of learning how to do things that are difficult. Um, Whereas with these sounds, you know, oftentimes any eight-year-old can do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I know (laughs) because I I make eight-year-olds do it. Mm -hmm. But but also for for all of us, just kind of finding these sounds, um, that this is a really normal process Mm -hmm. for for other composers to see that. I think that's really, I I hope that that's helpful for other people. Yeah. And and it seems like it codifies some of these techniques for, for others to say, okay, this is how I can notate it, and this is how... It, because I think a lot of us who, who 
try extended techniques, you know, write, you know, writing things, we don't necessarily know how to write it down. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, Sibelius is limited and Finale is limited like that, and, so, and, and we, we try to reinvent the wheel. Right. But this gives us a, a way to say, okay, this is, this is what I'm after, this is how I write it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not have to necessarily do crazy amounts of, of research into, you know, scores. Did, did, did anybody else do this too? Right, because so many people are dealing with scratch tones and harmonics mm-hmm. in different ways. And I, I think I, I kind of come at it from both ends um, with notation. I think that being able to hear the sounds, for one, then you don't really even need notation. Yeah. If you can say, oh, I really want that sound, yeah. right? Then that helps you out. Um, you could even just use words in mm-hmm. your score. Yeah. You could say, you know... A kind of a dull white noise, mm-hmm. or you know, you could if you know what that means. If you have a video on your website, mm-hmm. um, so there's something about it that uh, actually you can be much more specific without a specific notation. Yeah. Um, but I think also being able to standardize things that are standardized, mm-hmm. like if you're using a sound like a yap. Like mm-hmm. that Black and Mon uses. Mm-hmm. You've listened to that string quartet and you think, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's such a cool noise. I want to <laughs> use that noise. And you're writing it for a bunch of string players. Mm-hmm. In my perspective, I think, okay, well, use the notation that Lock and Mon used. If yeah. you really want that very specific thing, mm-hmm. because then other new music players will be able to play what you want faster. Mm-hmm. And then if there isn't a notation that you're happy with, then you can invent something. Mm-hmm. But I think... Um, it, it, uh, then getting your players to maybe learn three new symbols mm-hmm. of these sounds that you want for your piece with, if there's somebody who plays new music, five other things that you can write in a standard way. Yeah. They're going to get all the things that you want to play. But if you suddenly give a player eight new sounds, mm-hmm. which you should absolutely do if you want to. <laughs> yeah. like, if you're writing for somebody like me, go for it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But if you're writing for... Um, your friends who are <laughs> grad students or you're writing for professional musicians in an orchestra, mm-hmm. that gets really overwhelming yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Uh, so I think both ways, yes, it's wonderful to standardize things if it's actually the sound you want. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great to be really specific with the sound that you want. Mm-hmm. And that also enables you to find more subtlety of, mm-hmm. of you know, gradations of white noise or yeah. gradations of fuzz or, you yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. That, yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. And it, yeah, it seems to be something that you, if it's a new thing, to work it out with the performer, mm-hmm. you know, or, or a performer, right. to, to figure out, okay, this is, this is what I mean, mm-hmm. and to have someone who's actually, who lives with that instrument and, mm-hmm. li- you know, embodies, like, the, just what you need mm-hmm. uh, physically, they can maybe describe it in a way that helps you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's really true, and um, I was thinking about that a lot. Uh, one of the talkbacks after the David Lang show mm-hmm. um, at Anatomy Theater, he was talking about um, the group of collaborators that he was working with for that project um, were all people that he had worked with a lot mm-hmm. for a long time, and he said... Uh, something that I thought was really wonderful, that a lot of young composers think that they need to work with everyone they possibly can 
um, but that in fact there's something that's really powerful about finding people that are your advocates and working with a few people yeah. for a very long time, or you know, so that you start to develop these mm-hmm. languages of notation and mm-hmm. these understandings between each other and yeah. what you both do well and how you know. I, I thought that was a wonderful way to talk about that and just kind of yeah it's collaboration. Easier. Yeah, it's easier yeah. for a composer to sort of in a way, create advocates for their music by continuing to work with the same people and not, I want this person, oh, that person, and and really just running around and and having sort of shallow experiences all over the place Mm -hmm. rather than having many experiences over and over. Yeah, I think, again, with some kind of balance is always nice. Yeah. but, But that you, you know, you can actually have better experiences working with new mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. if you've uh, developed good exp- you know yeah. good ways of communicating mm-hmm. with the people that you work with often that yeah. you're advocates yeah, yeah. absolutely so uh, this idea of advocacy this is really big for you yeah this is, this is a big part of, of who you are and what you do so what what's your uh, philosophy behind your advocacy and, and how do you go about that I know you do it in a lot of different ways. Um, that's interesting, philosophy. Um, you mean in terms of, uh, how I choose what to, what to advocate for? Yeah, or what, what, what drives your advocacy and, yeah, what, what, what steers that? What, um, how, yeah, how, how do you pick projects? Anything, you know, that, it's an open, it's very open. open. Question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think... I'm a very curious person, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of these projects have just come out of wanting to keep learning and mm-hmm. have other resources that I hope help other people to keep learning or to, you know, then see something and say, oh, cool, you're interested in that. Maybe you haven't read this, and <laughs> I probably haven't, yeah. you know, and then it leads me down another rabbit hole of, of reading something that um, I think the more that all of us are feeling capable of creating things, then the the better we can help each other. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, uh, I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm not quite sure if I have a philosophy behind it as much as uh, just this general, I think that as, especially as freelancers, Mm -hmm. um, but in our community that we have to have an attitude of generosity. Yeah. Um, And it can be hard to do that with limited resources Mm -hmm. or (laughs) now kind of worrying about limited resources. (laughs) Even more limited. Um, But I, I think, I hope that, you know, that I think that the, I've had mentors in my life that have been extremely generous, mm-hmm. and I think that that, um, I hope, I know that I could never pay them back for their generosity, mm-hmm. but I think it's a kind of a challenge for, for me to, to then try to do that with my students or yeah. with my community to think about yeah. different ways of doing that. And I, I feel like it's never enough. Yeah. Well, I think that's the way you do pay that back. Yeah, it's not. I hope so. you, you can only pay so much back to the person who who gave you so much. Mm-hmm. But it, I think then it's now incumbent to go to the next generation mm-hmm. and go to your colleagues and be yeah. 
be just as generous with them as mm -hmm. yeah these teachers and these mentors have been to you. Yeah, but also I I think some of it is just being I'm so inspired by the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. Really, I, I mean that maybe sounds cheesy, but uh, it re really just every all of the women in my quartet. Mm -hmm. um, have such unique voices as composers mm -hmm. and are so, you know, think so deeply in yeah. different ways than I do. Um, that's, and they're so compassionate. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we disagree about things, but I, we are, I, I, I feel so inspired by them. So of course I want to advocate for them, yeah. you know, or the, the other composers that I work with. Yeah. Um, I think new music allows us to, get inside other people's minds it's really about empathy you know that, that's mm -hmm. so important and i it, we we are able to do that i think with all music also mm -hmm. with but um that's exciting to me and yeah anyway yes yeah. yeah i think that that that's actually a an interesting perspective and i really like it the the the, the need for empathy I think that yeah, that's important. With, with especially with the newer something is, the more you need to step a little bit outside of yourself and you know, what is this other person communicating? Right, and and that that's I mean because there's perspective taking with old music too, but yeah. it's easier to have sat with a Mozart Mozart symphony for a long time and feel comfortable with it, and yeah. then go and hear it in a concert hall and know that that's what you're listening to and know what's going to. So it's kind of familiar. It's almost like comfort food, yeah. you know? Whereas <laughs> listening to new music, even if you listen to new music all the time, mm -hmm. you'll get voices where you don't know the person and you mm -hmm. don't know their perspective at all. And yeah. it kind of, you have to go in with an open mind to doesn't mean you have to like the music mm -hmm. but you have to if you're wanting to be in the concert hall mm -hmm. i think that you have to open be open to understanding where someone else is coming from yeah um and i think the music can do that in a really special way because it's not concrete mm -hmm. um and often in a lot of other ways of communicating that are more concrete. It's hard to talk about these things that we disagree on because mm -hmm. people are so steeped in their cultures and, mm -hmm. and histories that it's really difficult to find uh, language that yeah. actually even in, that means the same thing to people. But mm -hmm. if we can take go outside of that into art and try to take different perspectives, mm -hmm that are not that are a little bit more metaphorical then mm -hmm, hopefully yeah. that allows us to then step back into other aspects in our lives where we can practice that perspective taking and empathy and then do that with other new people and perspectives mm -hmm. that we don't know and understand mm -hmm. but this may be very idealistic <laughs> <laughs> but but we i think we need that idealism you know especially right now yeah, i hope so yeah <laughs> Um, so I know, I know that one of the ways that you advocate for for new music um, is through commissioning. You commission a fair amount of, of new work. Well, I, I'm working on a really big project um, in a in a few years. Uh, I've been lucky to work with a bunch of composers and different ensembles to yeah. premiere new works, um, but this is the first time I'm doing a really big commissioning project. Um, nice 
for uh, 2019 to celebrate the centennial of the three viola, the 1919 sonatas, yeah. which you know about <laughs> because you played viola. <laughs> I didn't play that long. <laughs> I, didn't make it. I, I went through high school, I considered doing like a viola performance minor, mm-hmm. uh, and then realized... I don't want to practice that much. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a voice maker. I'm, I have to practice enough already. Well. And, then, and then ended up as a composer, too. Uh, it's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say I used to play the viola. <laughs> so, I, unfortunately, I'm not as familiar with those works as, as I, you know, I, I would be if I were... A, if I had stuck with it for, for more than, I mean, just nine years. <laughs> but they're, a, well, they're, they're kind of a, a source of pride for us because yeah. we do have this newer rep mm-hmm. in, that's in the 20th century yeah. that's kind of standardized. Um, yeah. And uh, so the, the three original works were by uh, Ernst, Ernest Bloch, mm-hmm. Paul Hindemith, mm-hmm. and Rebecca Clark. Yeah. Uh, and so we have these three works that happen to be written in the same year and... Um, two of them were from a competition, actually, that yeah. Elizabeth Sprague Coolidge mm-hmm. had. That was she was a wonderful donor and and advocate for new music. Yeah. And then the uh, the Pindemith is coincidentally written in the mm-hmm. same year that he wrote after hearing about the fact that Debussy had died. So it's oh, yeah. the beginning sounds very uh, French, or it has mm-hmm. this kind of different quality to it. Um, that's really compelling. I think it's my favorite Hindemith viola sonata. Nice. I, Hindemith, it, it's so funny. I'm, do, I'm doing a kind of Hindemith-esque project that uh-huh. I haven't really talked about a whole lot where I'm be, going down the orchestra. Oh, wow. Each instrument and piano, you know, 10 minutes or something. Yeah. But um, it's funny that I haven't really delved into his music. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a little bit pure at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, when you're done. <laughs> yeah, when I'm done, I have a lot of listening to do. <laughs> yeah, when you're done, I would say the, the 1919 Sonata by Hindemith is, is a great one. Nice. Um, but yeah, so the, we're coming up on, the, on 2019, will yeah. be the, an- the anniversary of these three wonderful pieces. Um, and so I've been thinking about this for a while, uh, actually, since I was in grad school, mm-hmm. um, about how I could think about commissioning composers of my generation mm-hmm. to have three new sonatas yeah. to kind of celebrate that and, and think about also the different ways to engage with the canon, mm-hmm. not just do the commissioning, but um, the project will also include making new videos for Shaken Not Stuttered nice. um, and recording the works and premiering them. Um, so kind of all these different ways of not not just doing the commissioning, which of mm-hmm. course is a lot of work, yeah. but um, how do we then give these pieces room to breathe (laughs) and get them performed more than once and create a resource around which then other people who don't live in the same place as me could learn Mm -hmm. about the music and learn about the composers and have access to those mini master classes. So that's, I thought a lot about kind of different ways that I could help those new pieces live beyond yeah. just commissioning them as a part of this greater project. So nice. that's been really exciting. So the yeah. new the new three um, are uh, going to be uh, Anna Thorsvalstitter, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Wolschleger, and uh, Andrew Norman. Nice. Surprise, surprise yeah. on the last one, but <laughs> <laughs> given the history. Your history but, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're all... Um, 
all three of them I have really uh, vivid memories of hearing their music mm -hmm. um, for the first time and um, I think they all have really strong voices and something to say and specifically write really wonderfully for viola nice. um, but and you know being in a university environment I there's also this whole thing of getting the seniors I have ready for their recitals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this whole thing about schools and you have to play a sonata mm -hmm. and, and kind of getting to know the repertoire. And there's something about being in school and working on a sonata for a year or, yeah. a, you know, that you really get to know a composer and mm -hmm. you work on a Brahms sonata and you yeah. work with your friends and you play in chamber music. And then when you go play a symphony by Brahms, you mm -hmm. have a different relationship with that composer because yeah. of that. So... I think that was also why I wanted to do something that was, I mean, sonata is kind of an old term, mm -hmm. but uh, substantial works yeah. that were actually yeah. 20 minutes long nice. um, that have a different feel from perhaps the other works that these composers have written mm -hmm. that are shorter yeah, yeah. for the instruments. Nice. Anyway, that's... That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I like the, 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 the depth of the project. It's... That it's not just okay. Here's the commissioning fee. Give me the piece, and I'll premiere it, and and you know perform it. Right. How, you know, and maybe I'll perform it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like I like the the depth of it. Thank really you. Really advocate for for those works, for those composers, mm -hmm. and for just the repertoire. And you know, it, it does have implications beyond just those three composers. For you know, I think it opens the door in a in a way for violists. To say, oh yeah, okay, here are three new pieces that are, you know, great because mm -hmm. they're they're going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one, one should assume. Um, I'm a big fan of all three of them. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah, and and you know, well, based on your your relationships with these people, you mm -hmm. you know they're going they're going to write you something that's good, mm -hmm. um, and so people can say these are these are interesting, well written works. Is, you know, is there anything else, or what? You know, maybe going out to more living composers and, mm -hmm. and saying, "I want something too." <laughs> <laughs> I think, it, I, you know, not everybody's going to run out and commission a new sonata, but I think it it does open. It has the potential to open people's eyes to to more living composers, and and maybe not just those three. 1919. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think just um, you know, I I would be I would be ecstatic if you know every <laughs> every violist yeah. in the world commissioned a 2019 sonata. We I would know. have so much new cool rep, That'd you know. Awesome. But um, there's so many different ways that that we can engage with the repertoire. I hope that it it kind of allows people to think about um, different ways that different ways that we can use commissions to or think about commissioning as mm. more than just having a premiere yeah. and giving a piece a life from um and yeah people do that in different ways there's these kind of different degrees of projects too another mm. way to do that is the, the wonderful project that uh, jenny co did with the bridge to beethoven where she had um uh andrew wrote little pieces that went mm. in between different movements nice. and the Beethoven sonatas um, or, you know, the Ashley Bathgate did mm -hmm. this really great uh, Bach Unwound project mm -hmm. that um, was also a response project. And, yeah. you know, like Timo Andres has written 
thing, a, a lot of response pieces yeah. um, that are that are really wonderful and still his voice, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think that there are different ways of doing that also that can relate to older repertoire that are specifically res- in response or things like this project that are kind of using anniversaries yeah. that, you know, the pieces themselves don't have to do, don't at all ha- have to be related to the original sonatas. Yeah. I think the anniversary itself gives enough of a connection <laughs> yeah. for them to just do whatever they want to. Yeah. Um, but for for every composer or performer when doing a commissioning project, figuring out what is really exciting to them, mm-hmm. you know, Probably not a lot of other people would be excited about these old viola sonatas, but but I'm really excited about yeah. them. You know? So kind of, I think people, I, I think the more specific people can be with what they're actually really excited mm-hmm. about and yeah. how that relates to what they do, yeah. um, the more that these things can have life. You know, yeah. I hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what your. Um, I think commissioning is such a. I think it can be really terrifying mm-hmm. for, I think, all parties involved. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody's nervous. You know, the composer is freaked out because, oh, I, got, I have to write something great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have to write it on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the commissioner, the, when the first question is, how much is, how much is it? Mm-hmm. You know, what can I afford to, to pay this person? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what your experience has been like with, with some of your commissioning projects and I feel like, and you know what a lot of people say, you know, you need to be creative with the ways that you do commissioning. There's a lot of consortium or consortia mm-hmm. now that people are doing, um, and I've heard a lot of, you know, composers and performers advocate for. Uh, you can maybe like lower the fee by doing other like providing some sort of extra value. I mean, value is like the, the buzzword in, in the entrepreneurship world right now. Like offering extra performances or offering recordings, doing other things that maybe you don't have to shell out as much uh, in terms of, like, cash, but that gives the composer a lot, you know, more, uh, yeah, more value. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the ways that you've done your commissioning, and, and have you done any creative things like that? Well, I guess the... Um I think that people should definitely get paid for their work. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the, yeah. <laughs> the story of my life, jazz hands, uh-huh. long pause. I think people should get paid for their work. Yeah. Um, Gasp. <laughs> I think that there are definitely creative arrangements mm. that people work out mm. for things. Um, but you'd be surprised how much... Some of it is just about asking, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think figuring out what's fair mm-hmm. for both parties yeah. too. So, I I guess I hesitate to say that you should have an arrangement, but you know, I know um, people that are are really fantastic at recording mm-hmm. that have done things before where they would let a group come and record mm-hmm. a bunch of things to yeah. also record one of their pieces, yeah. or you know, if there's because that is, that's a huge 
I think on both sides, that's a very equal trade yeah. because recording, recording engineering is such a craft yeah. and takes a lot of time mm-hmm. and is, is also very expensive. And then, of course, learning the pieces and recording mm-hmm. them well is, is a big thing. Yeah. So I think you can, um, there are ways of doing it that way that are, that I think are really, I think both parties can feel yeah. like are a, a good situation. Um, but I think if people are just direct about what they need mm-hmm. for things, um, I know some of the some of the commissioning the quartet has done. We've just been really lucky to have fund other sources of funding. Mm-hmm. Um, the fantastic um, kind of ongoing project we have with Bernd Klug mm-hmm. to do these um, string quartet and skyscraper pieces. Um, those. Uh, from, uh, I mean, uh, Bernd is Austrian, mm-hmm. so some of that was through the Austrian Cultural Forum and, okay. and grants from there. So um, we just lucked out, and yeah. he's wonderful that, that you know, that we also there had some help from New Music USA for mm-hmm. the pr- last performance, and then um, we got to go do the Austrian premiere of it uh, we, were, we were going to uh, we did a tour to Austria also oh, cool. through being able to having that relationship yeah. and so I think um, people can also be more creative <laughs> I'm going to backtrack on this I don't know if I like want to talk about it's hard to talk about um I think it's hard to talk about commissioning, and that's probably why I haven't done a lot mm-hmm. of commissioning before. Mm-hmm. I really thought a lot about what I really, really wanted to do, yeah. what I wanted to accomplish with it, and yeah. all of the elements of it. And yeah. so that's why I didn't try to do something bigger before this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I got really lucky that I happened to be friends with some people that were willing to write music for me mm-hmm. before. Yeah. You know, and when I was in grad school, I happened to meet people <laughs> like Ted Hearn, who wrote something for my master's recital. Nice. With, um, was very kind. So I, I, don't, I don't think that, that people should necessarily, I don't know, maybe <laughs> don't include any of this stuff about commissioning, because I don't think that people should necessarily write stuff for free. I feel very yeah, it, grateful that... Yeah, it, you know. well, it's such a difficult thing, depending on where you are in your career, both mm-hmm. as a composer and as a performer. Um, you know, the sort of, you know, the fees that you can command mm-hmm. as a young com- young composer. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- even as you, you advance in your career... Mm-hmm having an idea or not having any idea I think is is more common of what an ensemble or a performer can manage mm-hmm. and then on the performer's side you know I've, I've had some some good friends want to commission works from me and it's stalled because the the, the dollar signs they're like but how do I find the money where does right. it come from right and it's it's a really I, I think it you know it's it's good to talk about how hard it is to yeah. to walk this line and figure out all right what can i ask and what can i offer and mm-hmm. you know do we want to do the creative commissioning right. thing <laughs> of, okay well i can afford this much mm-hmm. and then i'll perform it this many times and record it or or do whatever sort of stuff like we'll barter 
it's difficult to know when that's appropriate. Right. And when you need to wait. Mm-hmm. And how how badly everybody wants this piece to happen. And yeah, it's 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 difficult. And mm-hmm. there's there there aren't any hard and fast rules. Mm-hmm. But we like to you know, I think we do need to keep pointing at that. Um, uh, meet the composer <laughs> schedule of fees and say, well, this is what I'd like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that's also related to the just kind of. What was I going to say? Well, okay, so commissioning. Sorry, I'm kind of going off into. I guess what I wanted to say is. Commissioning is really difficult, and that's why I haven't tried to do a ton of commissioning projects. Mm. But instead, I feel like I have tried to work a lot with composers that I believe in. And mm. I've actually done a lot of uh, playing pieces that aren't written for the viola on mm. the viola. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, Scott has a really fantastic cello piece, America, and I asked him if he'd let me play it on viola, and nice. he was really happy with how yeah. it sounded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and so we're going to put out a version of that, and I, you know, Andrew, other stuff he's written for cello and piano that I mm-hmm. asked him if he'd let me play on viola, yeah. and he let me do that. And um, also, Anna has another cello piece I asked her mm-hmm. if I could play on viola, yeah. and uh, Martin Bresnick let me play one of his violin pieces on viola, nice. and had, we worked together to find a you know little changes in yeah. the piece that would help help it work so I think some of it's also been that I try to find other ways to have these pieces that are already commissioned yeah. have a longer life exactly. by yeah. doing them on another instrument yeah. you know and 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 still then having a way to advocate for these people that I think are doing great things yeah. when I don't have a ton of uh, resources necessarily to commission all of them all of the time. Yeah. Um, so I think there are different ways that one can do that. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is also um, that people have other, there's so many different ways to be a composer and to be a musician today that mm-hmm. don't involve necessarily making all of your money in the arts. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of friends that have uh, other jobs mm-hmm. that, yeah. that they do really wonderful things for the music community that Mm -hmm. don't involve the traditional kind of performing or composing things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that then if you're somebody who wants to do that, you could be making money in a, a, you know, a variety of other ways Mm -hmm. and then do commissions because you decide that instead of, you know, using that money for vacation in the summer, <laughs> that you really want to commission a viola and bassoon piece, yeah. which is my dream, dream you know. Nice. <laughs> so uh, that, that kind of thing, I think just being creative about, you know, how do you want to use your own resources, mm-hmm. too, that the, there's so many different ways of being a musician. Yeah. And I, th- I think there are people that also choose to fund their own commissioning projects yeah. through making that a part of their budget that mm-hmm. they find important, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's helpful for people, but... Yeah, well, I think it, it, it's... I, I like the idea of repurposing existing works mm-hmm. for, for other instruments. It's something that um, uh, Alex Shapiro, you know, talks about when somebody wants to commission her, mm-hmm. but 
they don't have really the funds for like a, a full-on mm-hmm. new work, something can be worked out where she'll arrange an existing piece of hers. Right. And it can be very easy to do that, uh, especially with you know what, what you've done of taking you know, cello pieces or violin pieces and right. saying, can I play it on a viola? Mm-hmm. And yeah, then you give the, the work new legs, you give it new life, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not a, okay, here's $70,000, <laughs> but I get to play something new and advocate for you, mm-hmm. and, and you get someone to advocate for, for this piece that, you know, it's, it's in a new venue, it's a new, it's a new audience for it. Yeah, I mean, if, and if you can have the resources to do a lot of commissions, that's wonderful, mm-hmm. but I think otherwise focusing your energy on kind of longer-term commissions... Mm-hmm. Um, can be really wonderful because yeah. then you can take the time to really do the thing that you want. Yeah. And then in the meantime, still find other ways to support the people that you support. Yeah. Um, but of course there are other creative ways to help each other by, by doing trades. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we can't, live off of (laughs) this barter system i know (laughs) uh and so i think you know that kind of brings us back to this idea of who do you who are the people that you really work with that you really advocate for Mm -hmm. and you know i think as a performer and maybe also as a composer some of that is figuring out you know who the people are that you just would really do anything for Mm -hmm. and and will work with um, and not spreading yourself too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can be in a group like Acme has, you know, they all write for each other yeah. or my, my quartet also, mm-hmm. we all write for each other. Yeah. Um, and then we can take turns on projects that we're the lead on for mm-hmm. finding funding. Yeah. Um, then that helps a lot because we all still try to make, we all make sure that we get paid but depending on whose project it is, mm-hmm. then they'll be the lead on that. Yeah. Um, you know, if uh, Megan's album is Megan Burke mm-hmm. um, has a really uh, exciting album coming out of a bunch of her songs in the spring, oh, nice. um, and she was the lead on that mm-hmm. in you know fundraising for the album and doing all of the legwork for it, and she even paid us for the recording day for oh. saving the time. Um, which is really, really generous of yeah. her, and she worked really hard for that. And, you know, then, um, you know, we're also going to be recording an al- a album of Leah's music mm-hmm. um, that she has a, a label that's uh, interested in helping her with that, and she's doing all the legwork for mm-hmm. the grant writing stuff for that. And, you know, each of us, as we have these projects, yeah. you know, Marina Kifferstein had a series last year that we played on and she would fundraise for that and mm-hmm. be the pin person for paying all of us. Um, and then I was the, the person for this concert next week and um, this other grant that we got for the spring. And so I think all of us really hustle yeah. a lot to yeah. find to find funding so that we can pay each other because yeah. we, we want to keep doing this as a group. And mm-hmm. then because we all write music for each other, that helps a lot. You yeah. know, then we're... Um, yeah, then we have players and we have focus, but mm-hmm. I think then we still try to take it to the next step of, okay, well, this one's my project, so <laughs> I'm going to hustle to find money so we, I can pay you guys, yeah, you know, exactly. so yeah. I think that too is um, taking some ownership or, you know, mm-hmm. having those kinds of communities where you can yeah. 
some of that is about hustling for each other <laughs> in yeah. different ways. Yeah, knowing that, okay, this is something that we all want to do, mm-hmm. and we're, we're going to make it happen. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm, I'm the one who's going to, you know, make this happen for, for us. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, we, we think this is important. Yeah. I think making that commitment mm-hmm. can be, you know, bring it a half step back to commissioning. I think it's sometimes difficult for, you know, smaller ensembles or individual mm-hmm. performers to be able to feel comfortable to commit because of the fear of, I don't know that I can pay you what you're worth. Hmm. That, that's, been, that's been my experience. Huh. Um, to say, you know, a, a voice and piano duo that I'm very close with, and I've written stuff for them, mm-hmm. but every time we, we talk about, like, this larger project, mm-hmm. there's a, a hesitancy to go forward because we don't know where to find the money, right. you know? And, you know, a choir that I've worked with, that they do, I've actually written a lot for them, mm-hmm. and they have they do pay me, mm-hmm. but they wanted a larger work. And then when I said, okay, so the fee's gonna be a little higher, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're offering lower than usual for a way more work, yeah. uh, and then and I'm saying we'll make it work, we'll we'll figure it out, right. and then well, <laughs> and then backing away slowly, mm-hmm. it's like okay, I think that I think that happens. A fair amount, and mm-hmm. I hope not just to me. <laughs> no, I mean, that definitely happens a yeah. lot. Um, I think the the more people can be clear with options about mm-hmm. other resources, yeah. then I think that can be good. And, and um, some of that is uh, grants, if there are grants mm-hmm. available, mm-hmm. Uh, that... Finding a nonprofit that would act as a fiscal sponsor, mm-hmm. or um, finding a different way to work with someone, um, or reaching out to that community. Yeah, you know, I think there can be different ways of of doing it as a as a crowdfunding thing. Yeah. Or um, there was a nice uh, ICE does a lot of really wonderful ways that they that they commission yeah. um for a while they had uh funds specifically for people to to choose who they wanted to commission for uh, smaller works oh, cool. um and uh they do a lot of really interesting things with with commissioning projects um but but yeah i th- i think that everybody struggles with figuring out mm-hmm how to make that work. Yeah. And and I would say not to get discouraged about that, mm-hmm. but for, for, for people that are struggling with it to, I think, really focus mm-hmm. how to, you know, if it's, consortiums do work mm-hmm. in an interesting way. Yeah. You know, then people can figure out, each of the people in the consortium can mm-hmm. figure out how they're finding the funding. Yeah. Um, it becomes much more manageable mm-hmm. for for each individual or each mm-hmm. each ensemble. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that being able to have specific projects and longer term things, mm-hmm. and and I think having a having a goal almost with it helps. Yeah, that, you know, I think some of 
some of the projects are hard when there isn't a specific deadline mm-hmm. because then they won't get prioritized. And so finding a way to perhaps attach it to the opening of a new space for mm-hmm. something or, you know, having a way to put a personal deadline on yeah. it for the ensemble mm-hmm. or for the composer. Um, I think that helps to figure out, okay, if we really want this to happen and we want it to be for the opening of this mm-hmm. new concert series for this choir yeah. or, for, you know, <laughs> this new building for this, you know, uh, that that can help people really sit down and say, okay, what are the actual resources that we have? What would we have to do to make this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's all, always crowdfunding, but everybody kind of gets one of those. Yeah. You know? So you don't want to burn out your your friend group or, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, you can only go to that those. well so many times before people are like, am mm-hmm. I just going to... Do you want me to just pay your rent? <laughs> yeah. But do you think that's some of it with deadline? I, th- I find I, yeah, a lot I, of it is... Well, yeah. I think that, it, it, that, that f- makes it a commitment. Mm-hmm. What if you say that there's th- this is the deadline you've committed to to going ahead and, mm-hmm. and making it actually work? Right. Come hell or high water. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that... I think that's... If you can get that deadline, if you can get that commitment, mm-hmm. you, you can make it happen. Right. Right. And I think being realistic about when you can't do that as mm-hmm. a performer, I yeah. think that that's also something yeah. that a performer should be aware of. Mm-hmm. I, I too, have also... <laughs> I work with a lot of people that I think are really brilliant, and mm-hmm. I have not commissioned yet yeah. because... My resources are finite, <laughs> and I try to find other ways to be really helpful, yeah. or or to keep playing their music, mm-hmm. or you know. Um, but I'm I try to be realistic about how much you know mm-hmm. how much I can actually commit to yeah. with things. Um, but I hope that. There's people can find a way to focus their energy and mm-hmm. and find funding. I think that's it's worth putting the energy in to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. When you really want to work with somebody like that, mm-hmm. you can, you know, there's a where there's a will, there's a way. Quite <laughs> often, and yeah, having that deadline forces you to sit down and and figure things out mm-hmm. instead of saying, "Oh, this will happen." Right. Or I'd like this to happen. Yeah, I think that that's really helpful for people. Yeah. And I think it also makes it clearer for both parties. Yeah. You know, that um, it gives the piece more strength if you can have mm-hmm. a clear goal for yeah. what the deadline is. Yeah. But, I think, and not to belabor this point, but acknowledging the the fear that goes that can go into the commitment <laughs> and, you know, maybe having your your escape plan, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> between, you know, like, let's say you're commissioning me, like, mm-hmm. and there is a question mark over some element of it, having an escape plan for, for the both of us mm-hmm. to say, to sit down and be upfront and honest and say, I don't think this is going to happen when we think, when we want it to, or I don't think that this project's going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And, and to be prepared to go there with the person yeah, and yeah. It it I think we don't want to disappoint, right? A lot. 
That's and true. We we don't want the other person to be disappointed or angry mm -hmm. um, or resentful because something didn't happen, didn't mm -hmm. work out. So yeah. Yeah, I think that I, I I hope that I try to be clear about that if I if I talk to people, you know, right now for example that I'm do my a lot of my focus is on this bigger project. Yeah. Um, that I would probably say <laughs> say to people, you know, that's you know that I love working with that my focus right now is on getting this thing off the ground, you know, yeah. Yeah. that realistically. Um, I think people maybe are less offended if you can be really direct <laughs> about those things. You know? Yeah, it's 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 refreshing in a way, mm -hmm. and it's um, it shows good faith. It yeah. shows a lot of um, you know back to an earlier word empathy mm -hmm. that you know we do we want this to happen, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm with you on this, right. but we both we have to be realistic and say okay, like this is there is a question mark, and mm -hmm. we're working at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I actually I I feel really grateful for collaborators I've worked with, not just composers but other performers, mm. with um, being able to say no to things mm -hmm. when I even had just kind of personal priority things mm -hmm. happening that I needed to yeah. put first. Yeah, like finishing a doctorate or you know other <laughs> other such things. Oh, that's such a small um, thing, though. <laughs> you know, with uh, uh, finding ways to just be really clear about things. I think I still have really wonderful relationships mm -hmm. with other performers mm -hmm. when I've been able to say no mm -hmm. and really clear instead of wishy-washy because yeah. they didn't take it personally. They yeah. just were able to see, oh, you really can't commit to doing this project right now. That's <laughs> yeah. good. You yeah. know, I think that, that not be afraid to really set clear, mm -hmm. <laughs> clear goals and clear boundaries yeah. of what you're able to do so that um, when those things, when those opportunities do come up in the future, mm -hmm. that you can be excited about saying, oh, cool, yes. we can finally do this project <laughs> together, yes, yeah. instead of always feeling like you're saying no and yeah. then losing that relationship with someone, you know, because mm -hmm. they feel like you're always putting them off. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's, uh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> that resonates. <laughs> like I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Everyone always just says yes right away. Yeah. Um, uh, so tell me a little bit more about um, the rhythm method. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name. <laughs> we, <laughs> I love the name. <laughs> we are four women in a string quartet. Um, and the the name is actually from the 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 rhythm method was originally just uh, Marina Kifferstein and Megan Burke, mm -hmm. um, and then we expanded to being a quartet. Nice. Um, and it's uh, everybody in the group um, is a performer and composer. Nice. So we're doing a bunch of different projects this spring with everybody's work, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, but we we also play old, in quotes, air quotes, <laughs> air quotes on the radio, uh, old new music like Ligeti yeah. and Berg and, you know. Um, I said before we, we went on the air that I love that the website says classics like Ligeti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, because I think that's, that's music that all of us really wanted to play. Mm -hmm. um, but then also playing newer music mm -hmm. um, 
by living composers like Zorn mm -hmm. um, and Andrew Norman yeah. and, you know, uh, people that we work with a lot. I think um, it's it's really fun to, to be able to work with that group. Um, and everyone is, that just is, has such strength in, mm -hmm. in different ways. Um, you know, uh, Megan, I was saying before, has this album coming out. She writes songs. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Leah does really gorgeous graphic scores um, that, that are, yeah, only, only graphic. Mm -hmm. um, and then a, a bunch of that is on her website. I think you can see images of the, some of the scores um, and her paintings. And then um, Marina's work uh, is more conceptual and, and written, you know, standard, mm -hmm. writing things down, but with extended techniques. And mm -hmm. I think all, of, all four of us have really unique voices. Um, and so it's been fun to work with all of them and yeah. kind of push myself with working with them. Nice. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a really... I feel very lucky to have found them. <laughs> it's a good, good group of people. Um, so we're kind of working on some of those things with our the old, the old <laughs> classics like Ligeti, um, and then our own music that we are kind of interspersing mm -hmm. in uh, what we're doing. Um, and then we are we're we're doing a residency at Bowling Green um, oh, nice. in March, where we're gonna I'm gonna go do my lecture on Companion Guide. Cool. And then uh, we're gonna do a concert, and I think Leah's gonna lecture about graphic scores. Um, so we have kind of a different set of things we can do <laughs> at a residency. Yeah. Um, but then we're, uh, yeah, I think we're playing some of Lyric Suite and mm. some of Andrew's music and, you know, just kind of a, a, a wide range of things. <laughs> um, and then a kind of longer-term project that we have as a group um, is actually older music, <laughs> but somewhat some actually older music, but um, this Hidden Mothers project that we've been working on where uh, right now a lot of what we're doing is just getting scores mm -hmm. by... Uh, female composers that have kind of been forgotten okay. or that don't have recordings of them and trying to find quartets that okay. haven't been recorded and sight read them and or read through them enough that we can not just sight read them once but read so that we can have a feeling for what they sound like yeah. and on in the long term we want to make some recordings of some of these older quartets nice. because so much of being people getting exciting about uh, excited about playing the repertoire mm -hmm. and canon which I've thought about a lot with this other project yeah. is recordings mm -hmm. people can you know if you hear a recording of Ligeti, yeah. then you'd say, oh man, this piece is so cool, I really want to play this, <laughs> or you know, what's that sound this person's using, or what's that chord, and you yeah. listen to it again. Um, and for me, at least, I love notation, I'm a huge notation nerd, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's different for me if I just see a score. Mm -hmm. um, and so we would like to give these women a voice, and, and we're, we're working in kind of a longer-term project of figuring out who we'd like to record. Um, but what the, the first one we're recording, um, incidentally, James Moore's grandmother. James is a guitarist in Dither. Nice. We just played on his residency at the Stone. Oh, cool. And one of the shows was a portrait concert of his grandmother's mm -hmm. music. She was a 12-tone composer oh, cool. living in New York <laughs> in the 40s. That's uh, awesome. Virginia C. 
Uh, and uh, and so we played a bunch of her music, and we're going to record her quartet. Nice. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of different threads with that group. Mm -hmm. Trying to think about again different. Who do we want to advocate for? How yeah. do we do that? You know. Um, and yeah, that's a a really inspiring group of people to work with. I'm so grateful to be working with them. Yeah, yeah. that's that's great. It's it's good to find those people that you you work so well on so many different levels. It, it's a it's a special thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that are uh, challenging. You know, that mm -hmm. challenge you to think deeply about yeah. what you do. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a pianist, Mark Peliquin, that I work with a nice. lot, and we. I feel like it's a really good, strong mm -hmm. relationship. That's a lot of fun to. We're recording some more stuff this year. So Great, it be a lot of fun. This time it's my stuff. Nice, <laughs> it's all me because, with with that much vocal music, mm -hmm. it has to be recorded at some point. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think it really makes a difference to have recordings of things. Yeah, you know, it it allows people kind of a, a faster way to get into what the spirit of the music is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember being, when I, when I was an undergrad, like looking for stuff for recitals, because I just decided I'm going to do a recital, you know, not in my freshman year, but sophomore. I, I, you don't have to do one as a sophomore, but I was going right. to do it. And like going through all, you know, just tons of music and having mm -hmm. to, like, all right, there's not a recording available, or it's not at the school, so I have to sit and figure it out having that recording is especially for singers <laughs> is a wonderful thing um is it, it yeah it does take a lot less effort to kind of know if that's for you if that's the right piece for you mm -hmm. um i've been sending out the last recording to a couple of singers like oh maybe you might like this piece here's the mm -hmm. recording <laughs> yeah yeah i think that makes a big difference yeah do you find that do you enjoy recording your own music um yeah and yeah um it's terrifying mm -hmm. i think it's m in some ways more terrifying than recording other people's music hmm. this la this album we put out about this time last year was a little i mean it was five composers you know four four and me and you know working with the other composers it i you know, could come to a place where they were happy. But then when it came to my music, yeah. it's, uh, I have to get this right in a different way. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I think it can be intimidating to feel like you have to be the definitive recording of yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, and knowing that one of the songs, we never got it right. Oh, right, so then people are going to say, oh, well, so well he did say, this this way on the recording. Yeah. Uh, just one one measure we never after like it's the only thing that we went nuts on mm -hmm. like 20 takes uh. of this one passage never got it <laughs> oh well <laughs> now it's in, it's set in stone now it's there yeah there are actually a few things about that recording that I would like to record it again mm -hmm. someday different tempi and things mm -hmm. but um so I, I want to talk about you know, we're actually at the hour mark, but I want to go, if you don't mind, a little bit longer. Sure. Um, just, you know, 
what Emily said, that you run shit like a boss. <laughs> oh, that's how I feel about her. Yeah. She's pretty great. <laughs> how do you run shit? Like, what, what's, what's your, like, I mean, you, you have a lot of projects. <laughs> you have a lot of stuff. Um, I think that's, <laughs> you got to be organized if you're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, because uh, there's, the, there's the quartet, there's this commissioning project, you have um, a, a, an organization in Hawaii, Oh, I, yes. So um, I, my mom runs, um, uh, Louise Lanzalotti uh, runs uh, Calico de Hua, El, El Sistema Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started it um, uh, a few years ago at, at, after I had been in... Um, I'd been in Latin America a bunch touring with Youth Orchestra of the Americas. Okay. And uh, we went to Venezuela and... I, um, just really inspired by the youth orchestra program there and have a bunch of friends in the orchestra. And uh, I got to go back on a grant from mm -hmm. Yale to go talk to Abreu and had a meeting with him, the, the man who, uh, Jose Antonio Abreu, who founded uh, El Sistema mm -hmm. in Venezuela. And I just felt that a lot of the um, values of the program were so similar to our our local values mm -hmm. um, culturally um, with a Native Hawaiian culture mm -hmm. that I thought that it would resonate really well in, in Hawaii. And so uh, in our program, they also chant at the beginning of, <laughs> <laughs> of the sessions and nice. they dance, they do, you know, Polynesian dance as nice. a part of uh, what they do because a lot of the kids in the program are Polynesian. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's definitely a slightly different El Sistema program <laughs> from maybe what they do in New York, mm. but I think that's, uh, you know, we also have Western instruments, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, I think the the special thing about it is that it has, it's adapted to the local community, which yeah. really is what is important about making something that's supposed to be outreach to a community mm -hmm. has to reflect that community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, that's, that's always something that's, that, um, both my parents have, have always done a lot of, uh, out, outreach work in the, in the community in Hawaii in, in different ways. Um, but I think what my mom and I talking about this program specifically mm -hmm. was trying to figure out a way, um, because we're a uh, native Hawaiian mm -hmm. to, to find a way to do that with music, specifically in these communities um, that we felt could benefit from from having a free youth orchestra program. Nice. Um, so I'd love to go back more and do more, write more. And now I am kind of just, we talk about what's happening with mm -hmm. the program and consulting, but she runs the, the whole thing. Okay. Obviously, I don't live in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's the executive director, and she's a really fabulous teacher. So I think she, you know, has a great concept of uh, how to make things work and and how to kind of combine these very different things so yeah. that there's a strong cultural voice to the program that relates to nice. what the kids have already in their community, and then how that bridges into having this community that is youth orchestra that's mm -hmm. what El Sistema is all about mm -hmm. you know this kind of community that's a youth orchestra that plugs into this global community mm -hmm. of youth orchestras um, nice. so 
Anyway, that, no, no, that's, that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, so many things. What else do you run? <laughs> what else do you do? <laughs> I, I, I feel, I feel a kinship of like you know. I think a lot of us do just so many things. Oh yeah, and I think yeah, New York. It's you know, the, the what goes goes on at people's apartments at three a.m. Oh, all, all of the grant writing, oh. <laughs> like very non-scandalous things that happen <laughs> at New York apartments at three a.m. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, but I think that's one of the wonderful things about living here is mm-hmm. everybody is doing that. You know, yeah. everybody's working really hard and trying to find, I think, especially now, trying to think about how each of us can serve our communities better, mm-hmm. what we're doing yeah. and what that means. Yeah. Um, and I always feel like I'm not doing enough, really. Um, <laughs> I know that seems... <laughs> I, get, I get it, though. I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> you're spending your free time on this lovely weekday. <laughs> Interviewing. Yeah, middle of Thursday. I'm NYU doing an interview. But yeah, I I know what you mean. Like running two podcasts and a record label and my composing Mm -hmm. and you know trying to perform more, Mm -hmm. not doing enough. Yeah, and not doing enough to to serve the the broader community. And I think that might be the. I mean, well, that's a big thread in this podcast. Mm -hmm. People say you know talking about serving the broader community, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of what tends to be the common thread in the people who are doing the coolest stuff huh. is a sense of serving a broader community hmm. and and having a sense of community. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all try things out. I mm-hmm. think the, especially now, to not get discouraged. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep working hard and and to keep trying to do things. Yeah. They do matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, totally. you know, and I, I, I feel grateful to see other people like you doing things that, thinking about it, mm-hmm. find, trying to keep that dialogue open. I think yeah, it's I, really important. Yeah, I think that's how we get through what may be coming, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how we we just strengthen the whole, you know, the community, the, the industry that mm-hmm. we're in. Um, I think that's that's where the rising tide comes from. Mm-hmm. To, to raise all boats. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and that's that can, you can do that in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And I go back and forth sometimes. You know, obviously, I think this program in Hawaii is is really important. Yeah. Sometimes I think, you know, oh, I should really only be doing that. That's you know, mm-hmm. that's really important. And working with little kids is yeah. really important, and serving this community that's my community of Native Hawaiians is really important. Mm-hmm. And you know, why am I not doing that all the time? And then. Uh, you know, but this kind of teaching mm-hmm. at a college campus mm-hmm. with uh, these brilliant, brilliant students that are from such different backgrounds yeah. that are going to go out and do really incredible things and be have ripples of being leaders in their own communities. Mm-hmm. You know, they're also really inspiring to work with and, yeah. and really important in what they're thinking about. And they challenge me to th- to kind of reevaluate what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so then I go into that, you know, <laughs> well, you know, I do, I do really love the, the teaching, I, you know. Nice. Um, 
but yeah, and then the kind of all of it. There's not time enough for all of it, but I <laughs> but I hope that it all strengthens the other things. You know, mm -hmm. like the little tiny bit of composing I do mm -hmm. uh, really makes me appreciate even more the my friends that are you know full time composers <laughs> that I <laughs> that I had, admire so greatly. Yeah. You know, and the performing I do informs my teaching, mm -hmm. and you know. Uh, I hope that the writing I do informs how much I need to crawl into <laughs> under a rock and, and never speak out loud again. Then, um, <laughs> just kind of uh, there's there's never enough time for all of it. But I yeah. think you know the more the more we can keep challenging ourselves to think about that, mm -hmm. and uh, the more all of us will keep trying to find new solutions. Yeah. Um, I, I hope we're doing that here in New York. Yeah, no. I think there's a, a good scene going on with that. I think there, there's, an, I think it's, it's going to be in more and more places, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so since we are, a little, we're hour ten. Um, is there any general career advice or general advice you would give? You know, maybe not just to composers, but to uh, maybe something that you you tell your students. For, for you know, going forward in in your careers and doing doing stuff and running shit like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, uh, don't be afraid to make things happen yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something Emily does. Emily mm -hmm. Bookwalter does, and you know, all of the organizations she's worked for. Yeah. She she just really is such a strong power of organizing people mm -hmm. in her community to do various yeah. things, you know, and help people in that way. And, and she also performs, mm -hmm. you know, so the, there's so many different ways that we can do that. And for people to not be afraid to organize things themselves, yeah. you know, to just do it and mm -hmm. go out and do things <laughs> and, and, uh, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. The worst thing that will happen of you trying to organize a concert mm -hmm. and it failing is that you learn things about the next time you're going to organize a concert. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and or the next time you try to start a youth orchestra program mm -hmm. and, or the next time you, you know, try to teach a group of 65-year-olds <laughs> without an assistant. Like, <laughs> you're you're going to learn something for that. Just, yeah. you know, don't be afraid to try to organize things. Mm-hmm. Um, yourself and yeah. you're, I mean, don't wait for permission mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that that may yeah yeah I think that's uh, yeah that that's one of the things that do it go mm -hmm. out and do it you might fail mm -hmm. but you're gonna learn from your failure and just fail forward yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fail forward. or fail up or whatever, whatever yeah. the, the saying I like is. It. <laughs> you know, just le learn learn from the mistakes. Learn from your, some things are not going to work. Mm -hmm. Some things are going to fail. Mm -hmm. Learn, keep going. You know, keep going forward. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, my personal website is annlanzalotti.com. And you can find me making weird scratchy noises that make me extremely happy on uh, Uh And I, I will be smiling and making scratch tones <laughs> probably as this in real time as this interview is happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. And then there's the rhythm method. Yes. Dot NYC. NYC. That's what our web, our quartet website is. Nice. Yeah. I'll try to link to the various things. Cool. Do. Yeah. Uh, I'm and I'm uh, my Twitter handle and my Instagram are both Anzalotti. Anzalotti. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All the social medias, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for 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 having me to to the campus here and, <laughs> no. and hanging out for for now, like just in total, like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening and for for engaging with conversations. It's been really nice to talk to you about stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to glad to meet you. Yeah, glad to meet you. <laughs> Thank you. So everybody, thank you for listening, uh, and I will talk to you next time.